0: Welcome back to the Double Exposure, Both Sides of Photography podcast. I'm your host, Zaire Porter. Thank you for coming back and listening. This is the official second episode. And of course, as promised, I am not here alone. Let me introduce to you one of my great friends in photography out here from Los Angeles. Well, I'm from Los Angeles. He's from Texas, but he'll explain more about that. Uh, Welcome, uh, Aaron Poole. Clap, 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 clap going on my brother
1: howdy sir thanks for having me
0: man i love your southern hospitality it's so refreshing because my family is from uh, mississippi and louisiana so just hearing you say things like that just brings me joy but anyway how are you today doing well good 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 um give us a little short story about your uh, journey in photography and where you started and things of that nature
1: my accreditations to have an opinion in the business and world of photography. Um, I started photography as a student at the University of Oklahoma, um, where I got to shoot some wonderful football players and basketball players from Adrian Peterson, Sam Bradford, um, Blake Griffin on the early days of the college career. Um, She moved out to California to attend art school and was fortunate enough to fall in uh, with uh, Hall of Famer uh, Andrew Bernstein, the first NBA photographer introduced into the Basketball Hall of Fame.
0: Wait, 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 wait! Time out, time out, time out. If you don't know who Andrew Bernstein is, kill yourself right now. You don't like
1: basketball. That's... You, you
0: don't love. You don't love sports photography, not even just basketball. If you don't know who Andrew Bernstein is, stop right now. Press pause. Google him, and I'm pretty sure any of your favorite Michael Jordan pictures was taken by him. Okay, sorry. Oh, to
1: my, my favorite Andy story of all time is the very first time Andy goes to shoot Kobe Bryant after being drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. Longtime uh, PR director Dave Black. Goes up to start to introduce Andy to Kobe, and right. Kobe full on stops him and goes, "I know exactly who this guy is. His name's on the bottom of every poster in my bedroom." Wow! And if that doesn't like set you up for uh, 20 years with somebody, right. Nothing will.
0: Right. That's a, that's a legacy. That's what I think we all would love to have.
1: So yeah, I was very fortunate um, all the way in art school to meet up with Andy and get to be one of the young photographers on his staff to get to. You know, get to sit on the sideline and watch him do his thing. At the same time, you're getting this amazing insight into basketball. And then mix in the fact that we're at Staples Center. So you get to start photographing concerts and award shows. And, you know, eight years later, you you get to see some really cool things go down.
0: Amazing. Amazing story. Amazing. Well, not even career yet, but just the beginning of that being your photography journey is just amazing to work with and for Andrew Bernstein and Staples Center and the list goes on like that. So that being said, this is the both sides of photography. So my question for you would be, in in an environment such as Andrew Bernstein, Staples Center, Lakers, things of that nature, what is something that you had to realize or understand as a photographer that in this workplace I have to do this or I should not do this?
1: Um, I think the 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 question I get the most is how did you get there? Right. Um, you know, how did you get this cool job? You know, everyone sees you running around this really cool building with cameras on and thinks that you know we filled out an application and you know got selected. Um, really, it's it's finding a world you want to be a part of and then having to find what your insertion is going to be. Right. Um, I joked the first two years I worked for Andy, the only reason I had the job is because I had an SUV and I owned a 400 millimeter. Um, between those two, I could be the assistant for lighting shoots and pick up the lighting gear and just physically move it. Right. And then if there was a concert that was a soundboard only concert and you had to have a really long piece of glass, I had something unique that not a lot of entry-level people had that got me those jobs. And by shooting the soundboard shows, then if you showed up and it was by the pit, then you got to flex and show what you could do up close, but you were always in the game no matter where that position was. And I used to joke that those two investments were what kept me employed for the first couple of years, You know, just being able to do the very basic stuff and kind of earn your way in.
0: Right. And you really just dropped the gem. I don't know if people caught it, so I'm going to say it again. You have to be and bring something unique to whatever field of photography you're in. You have to not just be good with the camera, but you have to, in some way, put your signature on it without putting your signature on it. So you have to bring something that's not to that company, that brand, that sport, that game, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to be be confident in your signature you can't switch your style every time you see someone else do it or things of that nature so you are a fellow nikonian if that's a word <laughs> and uh it's very rare for uh us out here it's very sony Canonville. so what uh made you choose nikon as your Camera of choice.
1: So I will always give you props for being on the Nikon USA team.
0: Hey hey hey.
1: Um, I mean, LA is just an interesting community because you have so many photographers that both want to and out of necessity are multi-skilled. Right. Um, so you have a lot of guys that are showing up at a concert to shoot the concert as they're also cutting a video piece for that concert and you know running for other different things you know your sony guys are usually more social media based so it's stuff that's getting out really quickly so that they can get it up on an artist story or something like that um the one thing i kind of pride myself with nikon and they're gonna slap me on the wrist for saying this (laughs) is it's it tends to be the like not old school photographers but the classically trained or you're more surgeons of image creation right um, it's really about the glass the operating to get that perfect still frame right um, if I had a best friend that was going in and going on tour and they were gonna be doing all digital content creation the video the stories and the stills I'm pushing them to Sony or Canon as quickly as possible because they have that little bit of an edge for the digital you know video aspect of it right um but if i'm making a still frame then i'm sticking with a Nikon piece of glass and a nikon body because it just to me that they make the best still image and at the end of the day like i would love to be a master of multiple skill set but At the end of the day I want to be the absolute best still photographer that I can be and that tool still is what gets me the closest not to mention just working with a brand that really wants your feedback and is here to cater to where your imagination can go right Um, my favorite thing that Nikon does is they host a party the Friday before the Oscars and it's the first night where you get all the L.A. Nikon photographers together. Nice. And it's so much fun to sit there with the most creative still minds and the people who make the cameras. Because we're getting to say, oh, I would love it if. But these ifs don't just stop with your buddies at the table. It actually goes back to Japan and goes back to the facilities. And, you know, I am a huge fan of long glass. I love long primes. I love, you know, anything with a really heavy zoom. So it was fun to get to test out some of their new prototype lenses that are designed just for the style that I shoot in. And to actually feel like you have an ongoing relationship with the tool you're using, not just I have to give them money to continue doing what I do.
0: Right, makes sense. And of course, I'm just biased. Uh, Nikon has the best glass. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't care about <laughs> Canon's glass, I don't care about mm. Sony's glass I still think Nikon reigns Supreme when it comes to glass uh, Switching topics You are or have been responsible for the Laker girls calendar and their promo shots in Fox Sports West and the list goes on so is there any secrets or tips when shooting things of that nature as far as like portrait sessions that's not action sports is there a secret or something you always do like um like like we were speaking before you said show up 10 minutes early or 20 minutes early to set up oh for
1: portraits it kind of depends like for early if it's lights excuse me sorry my uh my first goal is to get into the room and to blow the power as quickly as possible right um i put on every pack i'm going to use i take it to full blast and i don't push the recycling time but I go fire it off, and if I'm going to pop a Transformer or something, I want to do it early. I want to do it you know, where I have time to work it out. Right. Um, there's nothing worse than losing power in the middle of a shoot. Very true. Um, but I think everyone approaches portraits very differently. Um, I, you know, I have Kobe portraits where you get him for a matter of seconds, and then you have others where you have a few hours to work with some stuff. Um, you know, it's really being educated on your subject and then trying to figure out what frame you want to make. Um, You know, you don't go in just saying, oh, I'm, you know, going to get as many shots as I can. It's like have the two or three that you definitely want to walk away with and then, you know, learn the subject, know how to disarm them a little bit. Um, I learned a really cool trick. An old photographer buddy of mine kept an old lens that he had broken and he has his assistant hand him the lens before the shoot starts and he drops it on purpose every shoot and he makes it that it's his fluff. And the goal is to already show that he's fallible to make the subject not afraid to do something dumb because he's already done the dumbest thing. That's going to happen. He broke the lens and, He says, you know, I'm not here to look cool. I'm here to make them look cool. Right. And, you know, I think now in this new world of social media where photographers are now their own brand and they're, you know, trying to be cool, I think there's a little bit lost in the perception you're trying to make as being this photographer versus goal number one is to make the best frame humanly possible.
0: Right. So let's just play out a scenario. Um, Let's say you get an email or a call today to shoot... Kobe in a week uh for a portrait session like just you and him in the studio what is the prep process for you like how how soon do you uh prepare and what do you do to prepare and things of that nature i mean the biggest
1: thing to find out is what's the photo for like what's the execution no one is ever gonna bring you in for fun um so it's you know is this an ad for something is it something he needs um you know it's a little bit different if it's like a nba media day where there's a little bit more creative and they have to kind of play along with what you want to do um but the biggest thing is figuring out a style making sure whoever's hiring you whoever's dollar you're spending is happy with the frame because um, that they are you know object number one right Then, you know, once you have the gear set up, I'm one of those photographers that, you know, I get two of everything in case something goes down. Um, You usually set up your lights once beforehand, do your test shot, whether you have a physical, you know, stand-in model that's just like him or if it's just your buddy, usually everything's pre-run through once. And then it's trying to see how many lighting setups can I design out of the exact same lights. If I kill a pocket wizard and I just use my front light and my key light or if I just use my two rim lights and I lose the key what are maybe two or three looks I could get very quickly and then at that point it's the chess game once they're on set it's can I get a few more seconds out of them is he giving me you know the hurry up you know there's one thing i would always say about kobe is no one can more politely tell you to hurry the fuck up (laughs) than kobe bryant he gives you that look and says really how many more and if you got two more shots off you are at expert level that's
0: your two shots you're not getting three right that makes perfect sense but um one thing i wanted to talk about is um when when preparing and things of that nature and something that I think people or photographers overlook is find out who you're talking to before you respond. Mm -hmm. People, uh, we receive emails from very random people or brands or people who say they work for brands. And what I like to do is before I respond to anything, I search who they are. I look on Twitter. I look on Facebook. Uh, sometimes their, their footer of their email has all their information. Um, just so I know exactly who I'm talking to. I need to know what who they are, what they're hitting me about, and just getting leverage. It, it, leverage is very important in business, just so you know exactly who you're talking to, you're not offering something they already have, or just to be fully aware of who you're dealing with. So a tip I'm giving is to look up who you're talking to before you respond. Don't answer their question first, and then figure out who they are, figure out who they are first.
1: Not to mention, just be selective. At the end of the day, like, majority of photographers, you're your own boss. And part of that is the freedom of saying who you work with. And don't think that every email that you get or every cold call that you get needs to be facilitated all the way out. You know, one of the things I really pride myself on is I get to turn down business. And that's not like, oh, I'm saying no to money. It's I'm saying no to people I don't want to work with or bad personalities i mean at the end of the day making your best image is finding someone who's like-minded that's going to enjoy what you created and there's nothing worse than getting a pesky client that's never happy and then frustrated with you then they pay late and guess what when they email you again you don't have to respond or say yes and you know it, it may sting to say no to some clients potential clients early on But what you gain later on when you start to cultivate those relationships you really do want is how you get a client list that you're enjoying what you're doing, not... You know, and that's where it's like, it's always interesting to hear someone if they describe themselves in an, as an independent contractor or a freelancer, Right. because independent contractors usually are those mentality that will take anything that comes their way, where the freelancer looks at it as who, whose work am I going to accept? Right, right. And, it, and it's interesting, even you can kind of read photographers as you meet them by how they intro themselves, because again, it's, photography is, it, you look at it as one of two sides. You're either creating a hard, equitable um, product at the end, which is your creative device. It is your photograph, or you are a photographer for hire and you're a service. You are there to execute the person who's paying you's needs, whether it's a boring exterior shot or it's this heavy stylized portrait, they're dictating to you what it is and they own it outright. Right. So it's, it's a big difference between coming in as a for hire and coming in truly as a freelance photographer there to create your vision sponsored by the person who brought you.
0: Right, and in business, I've learned that your no is uh, more powerful than your yes. What you say no to is more valuable than what you say yes to. So that was great, thank you for that information. (laughs) Um, We met at the uh, Drew League. Uh, Drew League uh, has been going on for 45 years. This year will be the 45th year. And what one thing about the Drew League is it's great basketball. It's great basketball. You can pop up any day. You're gonna get at least one good game. And there are a lot of photographers who just come and get in the way. They don't respect the establishment and the foundation that's there. They come and just stand in your way and, or they just think because they have camera access, they can do whatever they want and they disrespect the order that's established. So, and I've seen it because I've been there and I've seen you handle things of that nature. So I wanted to know what is the proper way to address a problem in the work during a job, during while it's happening, not afterwards, not sending an email afterwards, like there's different confrontations that can be had. And I'm sure you've had experiences with that. But how do you deescalate a problem and solve a problem immediately?
1: Um, I mean, it's interesting protocol for sideline photography. It's interesting because it's there's all these I don't want to say unspoken rules because they're 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 finite rules. The biggest thing is there's just not a great place of education. Most photographers are self-taught or they're finding their way in, which is great. Right. Um, but the problem is, is once they're in, they th- kind of feel like, oh, I was the first person to do this, or I was in. I mean, if you go to an NBA basketball game, there are black and white, there are boxes, you have a numbered vest, it is regulated precisely. Right. Um, at a place like Drew League, it's it's open, it's part of the community. So again. If you want to be the best point guard, you come play. If you want to learn how to shoot basketball, you come shoot. Right. And that's the one thing I love about Drew League is we don't turn anyone away. I mean, one of the things I truly love about the Drew League is the community of visual people that come. Right. Because they are as big of staples as the actual players. I mean – you only have to say Nikki to know exactly who's shooting, what that style is. Right. You have Cassie Athena, like you have so many different styles that come in that they all know, we all know each other. Right. And, you know, the big thing is people can come in and they get excited and they want to, you know, get on the court for that epic wide shot. and part <laughs> With their cell
0: phone. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and part of it's just kind of learning that you are a piece of the community. So right. just like... You know, as the sideline photographer that's there at every game, I wear gray and black. Right. Every single, you know, I don't wear the loud shoes. I would love to get to make my Drew League fashion statement, right. but I'm sitting under a basket and I can come outside of myself to know that if someone's shooting that dunk from across the, you know, court, I can ruin a shot Very by cheap. what I'm wearing or distracting. Where. You know, you wear dark colors, you try to blend in, but you're also looking at the guys around you. At the end of the day, if you are not paid to be there, there's no life or death. Right. And if you get that killer shot, you're going to get James. You're going to get these awesome players, but you don't need to be the one that thinks that you've become the official guy. Right. And, you know, sadly with truly, when I've had to handle those, you know... The first thing you always want to do is kind of introduce yourself as warmly as possible and say, hey, like I, you know, most times I'm the league photographer. So I can say, you know, hey, I'm just letting you know there is a rule of order here. And right. most people, once you give someone some basic guidelines, really do want to follow it. Right. They want to learn. They mm-hmm. want to get better. And, you know, I've had, you know, that's how we started. It, right. Our friendship is. You, you sit there and you pass tips back and forth. I mean, we all are a community of, hey, how'd you do that? You know, I, I have lights set up at Drew League, and usually it takes photographers a few games before they notice it. Then they notice it. Then they start looking, whose camera's got the pocket wizard?
0: Right. And as soon as they— <laughs> I think, definitely did that. And as soon as they <laughs> figure
1: out that I got the wizard, that's when they come ask you, and— you know, you can be a dick and be like, they're lights, you know, but at the end of the day, I want you to learn. Like I I want there, I don't want to do Drew League forever. I want someone to come take that over. And it's fun to get to say, Hey, this is how you do this. Or, you know, sharing and learning the knowledge is as fun as gaining it. But, you know, it's, you're going to get some people that are going to break the rules. And, you know, I'm lucky at Drew League that I actually have a, you know, Nike issued security guard. And, You know at the end of the day if we do have to you know restore order it's you know possible and done quickly but you know for the most part it's an amazing place to get to learn shoot have talent that you would never get to be around as it's it's part of the community and it's a lot of fun to get to go you know get to know not just the players but I mean Dino is an amazing human being I mean Chanel is one of the sweetest people you will ever meet I mean there's so much that is the drew league that's not on the court and to find yourself as part of that extended family is i mean i remember some sundays where we've sat there eating little bowls of gumbo you know with baron davis all chatting about that day's game and you know it's it's a beautiful place and i i love where it's grown and where it's going to at the same time that it's fun to see everyone's style you know everyone shoots differently and i spent half the week following all the different photographers to be like man i saw that exact same play i was at this spot of the court but they got this killer shot or they did this different. I mean, And then you've had guys like Kevin Wong who's come through and shot some games for the game, you know, and you get to see a real entertainment style shot. And, you know, you have some people that do really heavy post-production and then you have others that it is gritty, primes, grainy. And, you know, it's fun to just see a bunch of different creative people come into a gym and walk out with something.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. And uh, I don't know if I've ever thanked you, but thank you for all your conversations and wisdom during – Drew League and long hours where we just sit there and uh, hurt our backs because we're sitting on the floor for like seven games in a row. But um, it's running the gauntlet. You are truly a wizard uh, with your work. And if you don't believe me, you can look at Drew League's website and Instagram. And majority of those photos were taken by Aaron Poole. Um, Switching, uh, you shot the last game of Kobe Bryant's career let that marinate real quick (laughs) You shot the last game versus utah jazz where he dropped 60 60 points just tell me what that was like just start the game and like did you have specific assignment like get a close-up get a wide shot get this shot get every shot and how many pictures did you shoot because you know we overshoot stuff so how many shots did you get that game?
1: I honestly, frame count could not even tell you. Um, (laughs) That game was really interesting because my role with the Lakers at that point was heavily based in team corporate sponsorship geared images. Um, So if any team or league sponsors need something specific, that's my, you know, job to capture. Um, Because Kobe's game was so big, we did most of the commercial wrap-ups the game before very few ads actually ran at all on kobe's last game because every break was some type of tribute or going back and then it was a nationally televised game so a lot of it was national sponsors that you know really had their stuff wrapped up so i was really fortunate that i shot the first three quarters for the team itself and then switched um and got to do some stuff specifically for nike the whole end of the way out um wait so you
0: got two checks right <laughs> i did is that what you're saying I, I i got a very
1: <laughs> padded singular that's check. that's what i'm talking about um, Shoot
0: one thing get two checks but uh
1: you know different images going to different clients that both clients had approved and were already you know obviously nike and the lakers have a very solid relationship so um but it was cool because that was my first true Kobe moment. Right. I started with the team after the last Kobe championship. So I got to watch Phil go, and then I got to see what were some of the much rougher years of the right. Laker. And, you know, I got to watch Kobe have a couple of nights where he flashed, but, you know, I grew up in Texas idolizing Kobe. Right. So for me, that 60-point game, I didn't know he had 60 points until I got home that night. Wow. At 50 points, I blacked out. Like, it was get to the quarter of the court. It's do I have the credentials to be on the court? <laughs> and that point, I want to really say, like, I had this tapestry of images I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite Mike Tyson quote, I got punched in the face. Right. <laughs> and at that point, I, I mean made some great images that i'm proud of also had some of the dumbest mental fallout moments that i've had right um as any laker fan will remember uh kobe came out of the game with like 32 seconds left like something under a minute and some of us you know might have lost track of where the time clock was and i find myself physically on the lakers bench (laughs) in the middle of his checking out I'm not going to say I made it onto the court. I I didn't hit that level of faux pas. Um, But I definitely looked around saw Andy tucked in a corner and Dave Black looking at both of us as we both were like, oh, nope, we're right where we're supposed to be. Didn't take an inch too far. But, I mean, to stand there physically next to Vanessa and the girls at the end. And, I mean, I'll, I'll tell people, the thing that I walked away from that particular game is I felt that microphone hit the floor when he said Mamba out. And that to me is still probably one of my top five sports moments ever is to physically feel that Mike hit that ground and to see someone that like, again, 20 years in purple and gold, 20 years, just tearing up basketball. And to go from a child watching it on TV to then finding yourself there was just definitely one of those out of body experiences of, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm doing something right.
0: Right. And to be honest, I grew up, I wasn't a Laker fan. I wasn't a Kobe fan um, because of Laker fans. It had nothing to do with Kobe and Shaq and stuff like that. And people just thought I was a hater because they were winning. So when I ha- kept the same energy after Shaq left and they were on their down years, I really started to understand who Kobe was as an athlete. I, when, when he would speak about the game, when he would talk about training, when he would come back from this injury, when he would – pop his finger back in place and just go back in the game like it was nothing. Like, I started to understand. I was like, oh, I get it. He's insane about basketball. And then closer to his retirement, when he did that, because I was at a friend's house, and, of course, we know, like, the first quarter he was, like, missing shots and stuff like that, and it was bad. I was like, okay, it, it really is time for him to hang it up. But then when he started to, like, make shots, knock down threes, then he was at, like, 52 points, And, like, you can see him tired. Like, I've never seen Kobe, like, hands on his knees, deep breathing. Like, he was tired, but he still finished the game. I was like, okay, I I spent my whole life hating you, and I didn't even understand. But in this moment, I understand exactly who you are now. And I have all the respect for Kobe Bryant now. And I've actually got to shoot him last year for the first time.
1: Oh, it's one of those things where I both say that I'm blessed and cursed for the fact that I really started – my LA photography career amongst the mamba energy right. because i have full on mamba mentality when i shoot <laughs> like and, and it's and it's a good and bad thing right. but like i've had you know people i've worked with that are like man like it, we don't mess around like when it is the heat of the moment you're there to execute and you're there to do it at your best ability and afterwards we can celebrate what we got but we're not here to fuck around right. like we're we're here to, to do our job and it's you know to watch kobe with You know, different, you know, whether it be staff or, you know, players, he expected that I'm going to bring 100% so you better. And it is not that he was necessarily an asshole person, but if you brought 75 and he's bringing 100, he's going to let you know it. Right. And, you know, I you know especially watching like the shack and kobe like y- people couldn't figure out why they couldn't like get along and it's like you start to look at how they both approach the game and i mean they were mac to pc different very you know true. one was very naturally gifted and the other one worked harder right. and you know it's it's interesting to see you know just how teams get along is finding those like-minded people because if you put I, oh, what, what I would have done to have seen Chris Paul and Kobe on the same team. Right. Like, that is one of those, I know for the Clippers and everything, it worked out the way it should have, but, man, could you, like, CP is the end of that era of player. Right. That, talk about two guys that would be, like, both popping injuries back in right. to go do it. I mean, both hated by teammates for how right. they chapped back.
0: Kind of what they tried to do with Steve Nash before he retired when he came to the Lakers. They were trying to like okay this is your last chance yeah right?
1: but Nash was he was beyond at yeah that point. yeah he,
0: he's, he was into soccer and filmmaking already so um you said that game was one of your top uh event moments is there a another two you can think of that's not so much the picture you captured there but oh yeah the like moment. experience and I yeah, mean and that's
1: like, one thing I'll tell a lot of photographers is we're all our toughest critics on photos right. my Top five sports moments. Getting to experience something.
0: Well, not even just sports, because you shoot the Oscars as well. But just
1: to experience a moment versus the photo, you're never like the photo is never going to match the experience. And I used to tell people that forever is. I love the experience of creating my images. I very rarely really like the image themselves. Man, I'm the same way. You know, and that's the thing is like you see the world through your point of view, and photography is you showing the rest of the world your perspective. So your perspective is not special to you. That's that's how it is. So, it's for other people to find that perspective to be beautiful or aesthetically nice or whatever. Um, But it's to me, I joke that I sneak into places I should never be allowed only because I can operate a piece of machinery. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, I found myself in the room with, you know, President Obama. And it's, had I not known how to operate a piece of machinery, no business being there. Right. But that to me is what's fun. You know, I go back to, my first you know olympic games um you know shooting the winter olympics was something that i just idolized doing and to get to do it at such a young age and
0: which year was that
1: i got to shoot the 2010 winter olympics um in vancouver which you know figure skating was amazing um and then i got to be with sean white for his second gold medal and that was really energizing i got to go to be part of the usa canada men's hockey final which was a you know huge game and You know, just to, to the first few times that you get that credential, you have saw it after, right. you know, getting that Super Bowl credential, getting those few that you just, you know, there's some people that it's not that big a deal and to others, that's a bookmark. Um, but yeah, Kobe's last game was awesome. You know, Kobe's Oscar was really cool. I was, right. you know the photographer behind the teleprompter when they gave the wrong oscar out last year and amazing you know so that he captured
0: that, the wrong one for moonlight and then kobe the, the year after so yeah you know it's and, and
1: then we're going to have kendrick lamar for black panther next year Very i mean true. it's it's fun to see you know the experiences you get to have like i've stood 6 inches away from kendrick cuz he performed for kobe at the jersey retirement right. you know they're just there's such cool moments that You know, photography is a lifestyle, it's not a job, you know, and you make a lot of sacrifices to do the job well. And there are a few times that the you know, the job turns around and it rewards you for it, and you'll find experiences and places that no one else gets to see purely because you were in the right spot.
0: Right. Back to the uh business side, um what are some questions that you get that are just not conducive to your career your job like whether it be on instagram on emails or like what questions do you hate to receive and why
1: i mean it's interesting i there's not a whole lot that i'd say like i hate to receive i don't want to send that out there but it's interesting because you can always tell by the question how serious that photographer or person is about what they really do right because you get the guy that follows a lot of basketball instagrams that's like oh man i'd love to shoot basketball what do i do right and it's like no freelance photographer is going to be able to like give you a credential to shoot basketball right um so then it's kind of going back it's all right is just shooting basketball for fun your only like goal and if that's the thing rent a camera find a place like drew league or a small high school pro-am area and go shoot some images or you really get the guys that have their camera, are really trying to make the jump into freelance, independent contractor. And, you know, you can kind of tell someone's seriousness. But I always get, you know, how do I shoot X? Like, specific thing. And right. it's like, if your goal is to shoot the Grammys, that one singular show, very rarely do you put, like, a target on there and that become the whole thing. Now, right. you may want to grow as a photographer and find yourself at the Grammys and then you say, oh, I've always wanted to do this. This is an awesome you know, meeting of fate. Right. But I mean, if you ask me in college, I was going to be a Getty sports <laughs> football photographer. Right. I grew up in Texas. It was going to be pigskin or nothing and I've never been paid to shoot a football game. Right. I've shot a bunch for fun. I've gotten credentials to great games from clients from other things, but you know, basketball found me. Right. And you know, I you know, found Andy and you know, really thought I was going to shoot nothing but basketball for the great, you know, Andrew Bernstein. And out of what his team needed, I literally found myself only shooting red carpets and award shows. And it was just because that was a need he needed filled. No one was looking to just better me. It was how could I make myself necessary to that person? Kind of like you were saying earlier. So I ended up shooting something I had zero desire in, fast forward seven years later and I'm probably most world renowned known for my award show photography. I not through Andy, but through other avenues, you know, have found myself at the last five Academy Awards. I, I think I need the Tony Awards to finish my full EGOT. Right, right. (laughs) You know, it's just funny that, you know, you don't necessarily seek out to shoot one thing, but either your style, your personality, or, you know, happenstance push you into all these different things. And, you know, Half the people that I've loved photographing and getting to know, I never would have dreamt that I would have met them. Right. And, you know, you know, Obama being one of those, you know, what does a random, you know, concert basketball photographer, you know, find himself at a, you know, fundraiser in your building and now he's on the end of your lens. And it's right. not that, oh, I woke up and sought out to get to that point, but If you do your business right and you kind of move in the directions you want to move in, you're going to find yourself in the environments you kind of wanted to find yourself in. Right.
0: And this just I I don't get jealous often, and we have two completely different career journeys in photography, but there's only two people that you have shot that I have not shot that I would love to shoot, and that is President Obama and Jay-Z. So... Let me just soak in my jealousy real quick, but to, uh, wrap it up this, well, wrap it up, sorry. To wrap up this conversation, um, what do you have, uh, coming up? Is there a future book or you are working on something different or independent or what, what, what's next for Aaron Poole?
1: you know um just wrapped up oscars and now i'm you know focusing a little bit more time on my personal brand um you know i've worked under two different Kind of independent contracted groups. Um, Andy was one, and then I work with Image Group LA, which is another wonderful group of photographers. Um, so I'm I'm used to being part of a team. Right. Um, so this is the first time where I'm really spending energy and you know updating the website and Instagram and right. you know really just showing my singular photo eye. Um, you know the fun part about you know, kind of tying up one chapter as you get to look back on it. And it's been so much fun the last few weeks going through the last eight years of NBA, Staples Center, Microsoft Theater, Nokia Theater before that. Um, And just getting to see what the last, you know, eight years of, you know, events in downtown L.A. have been Um, as, you know, kind of looking toward that next step, Uh, you know, got some fun stuff planned with a couple of um, touring companies and then, there may be some South Central based rappers that I have a, a couple of projects coming up with. Maybe uh, I've use the word maybe. I'm uh, I'd be excited to share um, <laughs> once once we can talk about that. But you know, it's I've I've fallen in love with LA. All um, right. from Drew League, you know, I I'm proud that you know Ice Cube has brought me in a few times to you know do some photo stuff with them, and you know I love the culture. So it's really getting to find new ways to show the beauty that this city has as well as watching this culture leak out to other places and right. you know one project that i'm really excited about is we're, we're taking a musician from south central and we're doing a really cool shot in paris with them and you know it's fun to show that juxtaposition that you know a culture that was you know so kind of hidden and kind of kept to the side now is you know it, it's dior like it's highbrow acceptable right you know art now and it's it's fun to get to you know been raised with a kind of a different point of view but now have the empathy and knowledge of that culture base now and to get to tell that story and you know that you know from drew league to you know some of the concerts and you know different you know groups that have come out of you know that compton you know area, it's, it, it's, it's a fun place to get to be, and I'm excited, you know, just to keep making some fun art down here.
0: So basically, you're never going back to Texas <laughs> to live, is what you're saying, and it's all right, because LA is the best city in the world, I'm biased, so what, it's the truth. The
1: thing I will say that I I tell everyone about Los Angeles, is it does not matter what it is, there is some soul here that takes immense pride in doing that. Right. You could love sneakers, and there's a place here that will get you any sneaker you're looking for that will dry clean them. Right. If you're into sushi, if you need to get your hair cut, there's this look in people's eyes that they get when they're doing their passion. Right. And very few places outside of Paris, London, New York, L.A., do you find what people would consider fairly simple or basic jobs, right. and you get that look. Right, And there's just something about those people that... Are driven by that that it's comforting to be around them right and it, you know that's what makes la la
0: and a lot of people come to los angeles and they stay in hollywood they don't really experience the real la like you being at drew league you have seen so much more than any other random person coming from any city because you went south of the 10 freeway a lot of people only go to hollywood and downtown la and say i went to la but they see Kendrick, they see YG, they see Game, and all the other people from South Central, and they don't get that experience. So they love who we are at a broad aspect as far as how the world sees Kendrick and other rappers and Ava DuVernay and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But they never come experience that side of LA. So my, I hope people come to LA And really go to Los Angeles, Watts, and stuff like that.
1: And that's that's what Drew League is. I mean, you think about it's become a destination. And I mean, and that's that's one thing I'm blessed about with being in photography the way I am is there are Friday nights where I will shoot a you know concert or a like very nice like dinner mixer or something at the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills Friday, and then be in Compton at seven thirty Saturday morning and there's to see the span of people and stories i mean there it's just it's an enriched place to be in and it's interesting in this new media world where we have to broad stroke everything you know this city is so dynamic and so filled that i mean it's it's positive energy and creation here you know everyone is here to try to go better or do something new and I mean, that's where it's fun to get to play. And, you know, it's it's a fun group of guys we got here.
0: I agree. Um, I think that wraps up episode two of the Double Exposure Podcast. Both sides of photography. I want to thank Aaron Poole for his time, his wisdom, and sharing some stories with us. also want to shout out AC for producing our intro music. And until you hear my voice again, be great, my friends.